Welcome to the podcast. My name's Ian. And my name's Tony, and this is Tennis Today. There are moments when he switched off, when he switched off there. But then he produces a shot like that. Outrageous eat by his dance. All right, Tony, so we've got one more podcast after this for the Australian Open. I think the plan will be to have a wrap-up pod, just kind of get our final thoughts on the Australian Open and talk about the finals. Um, but for today, uh, I, and I just want to say I, f- I feel like we're doing pretty good, right? Oh yeah, I uh, okay. <laughs> I mean we've hit our stride. I mean I don't know. Leave it to the listener, but I think uh, we're you know figuring out the kinks and getting getting better with a few of the things. And even when it comes to to post show, you know, when it comes to like editing or putting out you know reels and stuff like that, I, I think we're starting to find a flow. And I think it's sort of good that we're going all in like this every two days as opposed to like once a week because I just think kind of like with tennis. And everything, the more reps you get at something, the better the better you get at it. So, uh, yeah, I think we're doing it all right. Yeah, well, also, I mean, during the Grand Slams, there's just ob- just way too much to talk about. I couldn't imagine <laughs> doing anything less than every other day. And, you know, God bless all the uh, podcasters and um, different shows that are doing an everyday thing. I mean, that's it's, it's crazy. It, it's a lot. And uh, it's yeah. a lot of tennis to watch, too. Um, so I know you've been staying up pretty late. I mean, we both have, but uh, you you stayed up for the, both of the men's matches last night all the way through. Yeah, man, that was uh, a five a.m. sleep time. I think something like that, or maybe the match finished at like four. And but you know, just the adrenaline of watching the comeback that Medvedev pulled off, which we'll get into. Um, yeah, did that and slept straight through my alarm this morning. Uh, not good. Sorry, sorry, tennis moms. Friday morning group. I woke up and just saw that uh, you know, bunch of missed notifications. Hey, and they weren't like nice. Like, hey, are, are you okay? Because it's very unlikely. I, I used to do six thirty a.m. lessons, seven a.m. lessons. Uh, but uh, Ao, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, apologize, tennis moms. Um, yeah. Tony's been been sacrificing his sleep hours <laughs> for this podcast and for tennis. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's how it goes. It's unfortunate, but you know, apologies are accepted, and it's all it's all good. We'll be back on next week. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have uh, one more episode after this today. The plan is uh, to talk about the semifinal matches and preview the finals. Uh, the women's matches start tonight. Uh, the single women's match starts tonight, and then the men's match tomorrow. Um, I believe twelve thirty a.m. for us, right? Yeah, that's got to make sense because it's okay. yeah. If it's the only match they'll probably have on men's doubles before something like that, or there's usually a doubles yeah. event leading into it. So yeah, it makes sense for it to be midnight. Yeah, nice. All right, well, we got plenty of time to maybe get in a nap before twelve thirty tonight or something. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So yeah. So we're gonna go through the semifinal matches. Talk a little bit about the finals. Um, you had to catch the uh, before we get into them. You had to catch a little bit of the Sinner and Djokovic match on AO Radio, and and you had wow. some nice things to say about that. Yeah. So uh, yesterday I went up to uh, LA to play. I kind of put together a doubles match between just a bunch of guys that I know up in LA that without tennis, they under any other circumstances they wouldn't get to know each other, and I was like, oh, this would be a cool crew to kind of play together, and so uh, I got to play at uh, 
Los Angeles Tennis Club. Have you been there? It's so nice. I, lived, like, I used to live around the corner from it, but I've never had an opportunity to play there, no. Yeah, super historic tennis club in L.A. It's, uh, it was very cool. So, uh, like, you know, I kind of organized the match. My buddy's like, hey, I'll, I'll host it over here at, you know, at my club. So nice. uh was up over there, and uh, we played five to seven. We lost. Third set tiebreak. Bummer. <laughs> my, my buddy got in my head, honestly. Like, there was, like, just a lot of talking back and forth, and, uh, yep. Got in my head. But anyways, yeah. so uh, drive back home. I'm like, okay, well, you know, it says start time 7.30. There's usually some form of delay, but uh, it started pretty much on time. So I was kind of in a panic, and I, I've i listened to or I've streamed ESPN Plus in the car, actually on my way up to uh, LVBL Ojai, because that was during Wimbledon, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. listening to a match in the car, and it was – okay but you know i would kind of have to look over because they're not really describing what's happening and i remember going through the ao app and seeing something come up about ao radio i was like oh well you know what let me let me tune in let me see what what this is like and uh man it's it's amazing i've never consumed tennis in that way to where pretty much it's like uh you know there's two broadcasters and he's like all right Djokovic to serve, first ball, you know, forehand cross court, center changes down the line, and it's just like sort of like an escalating wow. thing as the point goes along, and just the descriptions of like clears high over the net, low over the net, like very shout out to those guys because it was intense. Like I could, it was riveting, honestly, just kind of like theater of the mind. I would have to imagine it, but just the the descriptiveness that they were able to put out there in real time at good speed, amazing. And then in between points, there was fun little things of like, hey, email the show. Somebody put in an email of like something about I'm coming back from a figure skating competition. Uh, What tennis player would be the best figure skater? And they were kind of having this discussion and then straight Mm -hmm. into like the intense points of this match. So, um, yeah, and then it was just interesting hearing feedback from the people emailing into the show saying like, hey, I don't have, you know, I don't have the resources to stream this or you know i live in you know whatever thailand and i can't get a hold of this because of whatever or people like myself hey i'm in the car i'm you know on a road trip and uh it's just a very different way to consume tennis that i've never done before but Mm -hmm. uh if you're ever in a situation like mine yesterday and i mean i imagine probably grand slams only because i got this through the australian open app but what a what a way to listen to the sinner djokovic match last night i listened to the first two sets like that Wow. Yeah, I wonder I, I wonder if the other Grand Slams have something similar or, or if they're comparable to how you were explaining it, if, if it's just as good or, or, you know, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, that's interesting because, like, I grew up in Buffalo and um, I would listen to some of the hockey games sometimes depending on, you know, if I was – Uh, driving home from work or whatever and like you think that's how i associate the play-by-play and like the pace of having to commentate and there's definitely an art form to that and being able to describe the situation in a way that you can like picture it in your mind um so yeah i mean that's super interesting to hear but i I, i've never experienced tennis that way i've only experienced that through you know football or hockey or whatever so um, yeah, I wonder if the other slams have that. I mean, I'd be interested to to listen to it. And um, but you know, it's it's good you didn't get to miss much of the match if you know they were able to paint the picture for you. No, I uh, I felt like I was tuned in. I mean, just they did well to describe like, all right, well, you know, Djokovic sails this long, or he mm. looks off balance. You know, what's going on? No energy. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a unique experience. But I'm kind of glad I got to have it because it was uh, it was a cool thing. I'll definitely look to. I might even 
put on like a side by side radio yeah. with like the TV broadcast and just listen to it like that and see because it was pretty insightful as opposed to the stuff that we get on uh, you know the ESPN feed because sometimes I mean th- they chime in with stats but sometimes you know John McEnroe like oh that's a hell of a shot like that doesn't really describe anything <laughs> that doesn't right. really add anything to the conversation right right <laughs> yeah yeah interesting. Um, well, speaking of hockey, uh, you got a, uh, a new hat on there today. Um, so yes. that brings us to our newly coined segment. Um, what hat are we wearing? Uh, so yeah, Tony, describe your That's hat right. to our listeners. Um, I have, if you've ever seen the movie, the mighty ducks, I've got an Anaheim ducks cap on in the classic, uh, what colors would you say this? This is like a uh, teal maroon. Yeah. Te- Just the teal and like a purple. Maroon purple. I don't really know how. Yeah. yeah, but if you could just if you grew up, if you're of you know our generation, I think we've all seen the old Mighty Ducks movies. Uh, this is this is what it is basically. So um, is that your hockey team not, then? I don't really watch hockey too much to be honest. This was more of a nostalgia thing because mm. I, I remember as a kid I was actually really fascinated by hockey. I, I never played, but just kind of in my living room, I had a little hockey stick and would go around and I would watch, you know, what I could on TV. I like Paul Korea, T. Mussolini. Yeah. And also the, I, I grew up um, maybe like two blocks from where uh, the Ducks play. You know, back then it was called Arrowhead Pond. And yeah, and I mean, I obviously didn't keep up with it or anything like that. From what I understand, the Ducks aren't very good these days, but um, sort of a nostalgia buy where I saw this. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I, I like that. Nice. Like, also, uh, T. Mussolini, tennis guy. Oh, really? He's somebody, yep. Yeah, decent tennis player, I've heard. Because oh. he still lives around, somewhere around OC. And uh, I'm kind of surprised we haven't crossed paths yet, but I'm sure at some point we will. But yeah, apparently decent tennis player and plays quite a bit. Wow, no kidding. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, my hat today, right, yeah. uh, we I am wearing, if, actually, if you couldn't tell, it also goes with the, the top that I'm wearing. I'm playing tennis almost immediately after we stop recording. Um, so I had, to, I, I gotta be ready. I'm wearing a, uh, Wilson performance <laughs> hat. Um, and you know, I actually really like this one because, well, a, I just, I've loved what Wilson's doing lately, but I've always just wore normal dad hat, cotton, you know, baseball hats. And mm-hmm. I ruin all of my favorite hats because they get so greasy and so sweaty from playing. And then I got to pitch them earlier than I'm ready to. So, um, the problem is the performance hats. I've never really liked the way that they look. I think that they kind of tend to look a little corny or they'll look like a golf hat or something. The, this <laughs> one I actually really liked. It's kind of classy. It's got the embroidered, you know, Wilson and kind of a, a cool font there. And um, yeah, I mean, it's one that I would wear just like as is. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm wearing the matching polo to go with it. I'm wearing whites today because it's a little bit warmer. And um, yeah, so shout out Wilson. Nice, yeah, good hat. What what are the? I know it doesn't matter, but no one's gonna see. What are the shorts? The shorts? The shorts oh, yeah, yeah. I'm probably gonna go with like. Is it a matching blue? Yeah, I'm probably gonna do the navy shorts. I've got like the five inch Wilson volley five shorts inch. that go with it. Um, nice. So yeah, yeah, nice. gotta get gotta show off the legs. Gotta get the legs uh, back in the sun <laughs> again after all this crappy weather we've been getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, let's get into the semifinal matches. And the first uh, matches that we had were the women's match, um, not last night, but the night before that. Uh, first match on was Sabalenka versus Goff. Sabalenka takes that one in straight sets, 7-6, 6-4. Um, a pretty competitive match. Uh, yeah. I think Sabalenka, you and I both had her picked. Uh, I think Sabalenka... Uh, for as close as the score was, I think she felt to me more in control the entire time. Maybe that was because the first set she was up five to two. You know, Coco did mount uh, a comeback there, and she even went up. Coco went up six five and was serving at thir- uh, thirty all. And the the thoughts in my head here were, you know, Sabalenka had been outplaying her for most of that match so far. Um, she was hitting more winners. She was serving better. Coco wasn't serving very strong, and that was kind of hurting her. Um, and I was thinking, wow, this is classic Coco. She's she, she could potentially win this first set and put herself in a position to win this match, despite the fact that she was being outplayed. Um, and that was really my big takeaway from that. You know, in you know usual fashion, Arena. Uh, hit more winners than Coco hit. She tends to hit more winners than her opponents. And she also had more unforced errors, which um, to me tells the story of the match a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Arena. I mean, when, when she got up five, two, I was like, uh Oh, mm-hmm. this is, uh, this might be over quick. And then Coco made her, made her push and it got, it got interesting, but uh, yeah, Arena was almost too, too much to handle. I mean, she gives herself the green light off of any serve plus one, and it's just impressive to see where it's just boom, boom, done. Walk over to the other side. Um, like you said, she's going to light up the stat board when it comes to winners and unforced stairs. But um, yeah, Coco uh, forehand to forehand, maybe a little bit outmatched. Um, it was. It's still impressive to see, um, and maybe now we should expect it that Arena's just. She's a strong player mentally now. I know mm-hmm. the you know the story going into last season was like, oh, you never know. You know she's kind of inconsistent when things get tight, but uh, things got tight and she did not blink. She won the tiebreak and kind of you know dominated the next set as well, just like everything else this tournament. I think she still hasn't lost a set yet, has she? This is definitely the most games that she's lost. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat where yeah. like, this is the most games she's lost, but still hasn't lost a set. Yep. So that's. Um, it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is um, definitely the favorite going into the final. Um, rightfully so. She, uh, probably, I think she's playing the best tennis. I mean, even last year when she won, um, there was a lot of question marks over whether or not she was going to be able to to uh, get over the hump or um, if some of her yips were going to come back, you know, the the double faulting yeah. or some of the mistakes. And we saw that and we, and we talked about that in the breakpoint episode. Um, I, I don't have those same concerns. Uh, you know, I, I think she's proven that she's I, a big weight was lifted off of her, her shoulder when she won, uh, last year. And, um, yeah, I mean, she's the favorite for a reason. So, yeah. Uh, the second match was, uh, Zhang versus, uh, Yastremska. Zhang takes that one, six, four, six, four. Um, no surprise there. Uh, she becomes the second Chinese uh, tennis player ever to make a slam final. Uh, Lee Na being the other one here at Australian Open 10 years ago. A lot of parallels there. Uh, really great story. Um, the notes that I had from that one, I was, it was, a, it was a close match. It was a little bit more competitive than I expected. Um, I, I enjoyed both matches pretty equally. Uh, and for this one, Yastremska, the, the biggest takeaway for me was really impressive, even though she was down and being outplayed a little bit. 
Um, Yastremska hitting shots off of the return for, for, uh, from Zhang's serve was really impressive. And I think those short points and that uh, aggressiveness that she had um, pushed Zhang back just a little bit. And it had me wondering if there could be, you know, the, uh, a, a special moment here for Yastremska pulling through as a qualifier. Um, it was competitive. Yastremska did get a medical timeout there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good match. It was, um, I don't have too many more notes from that one, but uh, Zhang pulls through, which is, I, I think, what most people expected to see in that one. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just kind of funny with, uh, I think, a, a lot of the points from the, the female, the women's semis were a lot shorter than the points from the men's semis, yep. which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but just straight up first strike tennis, attacking second serves, green light off the plus one, and uh, yeah, I agree, it, that was uh, not, my, not my pick. I had uh, Yastrzemska in three, but uh, also kind of not not surprised. It's yeah. uh, it's a good result, and uh, hopefully it makes for a compelling final. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, after all the upsets and everything, too, there's something to be said for here. You've got Sabalenka, world number two, former champion, um, and Zhang, who is, uh, at the very least, she's now going to be ranked seventh in the world, uh, sixth yeah. if she ends up winning it. Uh, that is, you know, that that's that that isn't representative of what we've seen the entire tournament where you're kind of wondering, you know, in that top half of the bracket, who's going to get in? Is it going to be a qualifier? Is it going to be somebody who's unseated? Um, And, you know, we end up with two solid players, top 10 players here. So I think the dust settled and we we are going to get a pretty good competitive final. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So moving on to the men's, uh, we had uh, last night, the first match on was Sinner versus Djokovic. Uh, both you and I picked Djokovic to pull through that one in five, but we were hopeful that Sinner would do it. And by God, he did. It was really, really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I didn't get to watch, watch the first two sets, but uh, listening in, it, it just sounded like Novak was just making a bunch of backhand errors in the first set, a bunch of forehand errors in the second set, and Yannick did not blink, was just on point, defending well. I got to catch the next two sets, and uh, I mean, yeah, it, it always, and I guess this is how it is when, not just Novak, but any of the big three, when when they get down, because we've seen it so many times before, is they'll get down to you know a younger player, and then they'll start to make their push, and then there's the momentum switch, and then they're even, and then it's like, oh my god, what's going to happen? And I was kind of expecting this last night, especially after after the way the third set went. Um, but yeah, Yannick shut that down yeah. fairly early in the third in the in the fourth set. I would say too, right? I think he broke at two all or three all, and uh, that was that. Yeah, it, yeah, it was really impressive stuff from Sinner. Um, I think it was a combination of both. Djokovic looking off and, and making mistakes, but I also think credit to Sinner and how he was playing. He was lights out in those first two sets. It's not a surprise that you how, how much of the match you you missed because it went by extremely quick. I think the first set was done in like you know thirty or thirty five minutes or something like that. It was six one six two. The third set goes to a tie break, and then Sinner wraps it up six three in the fourth set. Um, some really interesting stats to pull away from that one too. I mean, it's the first time that Novak had zero break points in an entire match that he actually completed from start to finish and didn't have to retire due to an injury. Um, it's also his first ever semifinal loss at the Australian open. So in its own way, it's, it's kind of a historic 
moment. It's something, you know, it's, it's not a match that I'm going to forget anytime soon. Um, and a little career career defining for sinner. And also, um, because it's so uncharacteristic, it just leaves those questions about Djokovic. Is this, um, just a one-off Was it, you know, we've all had those days. If you play tennis, you've got a day where you're just not there and you're struggling and no matter how much you're trying to mentally get yourself back into the match, sometimes you just don't have it. Or is are we rounding a corner? I think it it, it definitely leaves those questions there. Yeah, yeah, man. I, what was it? A few days ago, we were talking about the you know the Golden Slam. I know <laughs> it's over. Yep, it's over. Just and, like that. and yeah, it brings in the question like what you just said is is, is something is this a, the beginning of a trend or what uh, what is this? And it, it, I mean, it is a testament to what Novak has done in Australia because, yeah, yesterday just seemed like like an off day that's very human. And to think that that hasn't happened for, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, 20 matches in a row, semis and on, that's uh, that's insane. Yeah. Um, and he did. I listened to his post-match presser, and Novak said, he's, you know, throughout the tournament, I don't think I was really playing that great. Only against Manorino was, were things really clicking. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge, you know, career moment for Yannick obviously not the first time he's beat uh Novak but the first time I would say in best of five and you know the whole world was watching and it was a pretty convincing win yeah um now I mean I think regardless of whether he you know sees it through and gets the trophy I think he's a tier one player why not I mean at least at least at the moment from the end of last season to up until now it seems like he's found another gear, another level, and um, yeah, he's uh, he's arguably the best player in the world at this moment. Yeah, I yeah, I think you can make that case. Um, yeah, I, Novak ends up saying he thought that was the worst or one of the worst Grand Slam matches he's ever played. Part of me wondered if he was dealing with something um, physically, or maybe he had an illness. I know they, there was some reports about how he was you know sick or had a cold at the beginning of the tournament. Um, you know, he, he just looked out of it. He looked kind of low energy. He was off balance on his shots. I was texting you during the match. He was taking a lot of his shots, like off of his back foot and just sailing him long, just not even close or hitting him into the net. Um, yeah. and usually if he's playing off and he's, you know, frustrated with what's happening, he's a lot more verbal and he's often yelling at his box. We've, we've talked about this on, on another episode, we got none of that. We saw disappointment in some of his shots and disappointment and frustration that didn't manifest any other way than just kind of hanging his head after a point or two, but it didn't manifest any other way. And, you know, he ends up hitting 54 unforced errors. Um, oddly enough, he actually had one more winner than Sinner did over the course of the match. Um, and another stat that I pulled from this one that I thought was kind of interesting was rallies under five shots. Sinner had more than double. That makes sense because wow. if, um, you know, Djokovic is just like you saw if you were watching, miss hitting very early, you know, returns, um, one or shot, you know, one or two shots into a rally, just hitting an uncharacteristic long ball or something. But then uh, anything five shots or more, Djokovic actually had the edge. So that's kind of surprising because he was low energy. Um, he clearly didn't have it. Uh, but in those rallies that ended up going five shots or more, Novak was winning more of those. So that was kind of surprising to see. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, no, no bathroom break, no, no leaving the court between <laughs> yeah. sets or anything like that, right? Like, and yeah. that's kind of 
unusual because that's usually what we see, whether it's, you know, I don't think it's necessarily gamesmanship, but there's been a couple times I can remember where he was playing against Stefanos in, uh, was it a Roland Garros semifinal? And he was, he looked down and out and then he went to the restroom and came back and was like a different player. And they asked him what happened. And he was like, I, I changed my underwear. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like, but like, but like, you know, like anything like that. Cause uh, yeah, there was, he wasn't fiery or anything like that. I mean, a few come ons here and there, but I agree. It was, it was weird. Um, and also, you know, Novak gets a lot of, you know, a lot of pushback online from what I see and a lot of anytime he loses, the chatter will be like, oh, well, he, he makes up an injury. He makes something up. He hasn't said anything this time. Yeah. You know, he's basically just said, you know what? He, he played better than me. This was just bad. So, you know, to, to that group of people that kind of really push on Novak, like, here you go. He played awful. No excuses. And it, and it still might be true that he was dealing with something. And if that's sure. the case and he decided not to disclose that in his post-match interview, um, to me, that is great sportsmanship on his behalf because for Sinner, it's the biggest win of his entire career. And if he's deciding to not blame an illness or an injury and say, oh, you know, I just wasn't myself today because X, Y, Z, it takes a little bit um, away from, it t- takes a little bit away from the win for Sinner. And um, so, you know, I'm just putting it out there. If that's true, if he had an injury or if he was still dealing with an illness and felt off, um, Good for him for not even bringing it up because Sinner, um, he might not have won anyways, um, but Sinner, you know, he this is the biggest match of his career, the biggest win that he's ever had. So um, it's good that he'll be able, you know, he, he should be allowed to enjoy it to the full extent. So Definitely. And yeah, Novak's probably one of the best, the best at just being gracious in mm-hmm. defeat and just, you know, giving, giving the other player their flowers and being respectful and insightful and like, yeah, definitely. Um, Huge moment for Sinner. Yeah, like he's on the cusp of his first slam. This is uh, this is what everyone wanted, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we'll we'll definitely get into the preview of the the final with Sinner and Medvedev because um, I did actually poll what most people wanted to see on my Instagram, and um, oh. you know it's kind of interesting some of the responses I got for that one. But speaking of disclosing an illness and bad play, on the other side, the the other men's match in the semifinals, um, Zverev did blame an illness in his post-match interview. Um, We're not going to turn this into a bash fest of Zverev in any way, Uh, but it was a really, uh, it was an amazing match. Uh, I I fell asleep after uh, the Djokovic and uh, Sinner match. You stayed up. Um, I did check my phone multiple times. I'm a terrible sleeper. And usually what I'll do is I'll see what's the score. And, and I knew that if I woke up sometime around, you know, two, three in the morning that I'd be, uh, we'd be going into like a third set and then I can see, okay, where are we at? Do I got to tune in for this? Um, so I was able to tune in for some of the, uh, fourth and fifth set there, but you watched it. So I want to hand it over to you and, and you just kind of tell me a little bit about, um, your takeaways from that one. Yeah, so first set, uh, just kind of an awful start from Danil. Like he, you know, held his first service game, second service game, got broken, double faults, unforced errors, just, I don't know, like was just off, got down 1-4, and that was pretty much that. Like just got, uh, Zverev tactically was uh, doing what you're supposed to do against Medvedev is, you know, because Medvedev's all the way at the back fence, um, even in rallies, he's super deep into the course. So even if it's uh, Zverev, not Zverev's strong suit, he was getting to net. 
hitting angles through the sideline rather than penetrating through the baseline. And he was executing that fairly well. I mean, there was still a fair share of just awful misses at the net, which, I mean, is why he doesn't come forward. But just the, the amount of volume he was getting up there and executing with, it, it was effective. Uh, second set was kind of the same. Danilo looked better, but still, it was almost like watching like the fourth set against uh, Hubie, where it's like, ah, he's not quite moving right. Mm -hmm. It serves kind of weird. Um, Loses the second set. Third set, uh, basically kind of just hanging around. It was just a bunch of holds, 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 no drama. Um, Was that the set that went to the tiebreak? I'm not exactly sure if that was... Yep. Yep. So um, Zverev kind of didn't play a great tiebreak, and, you know... I, I believe maybe we touched on it the last episode, just in, in pressure moments, he kind of goes away. Like that, historically, that's, you know, mm. what, what we've seen. Even though he has won a ton, he just kind of, I don't know, has mental dips during, you know, tough moments in a match. Medvedev gets that. Four set, um, Medvedev starts creeping up closer to the baseline on returns, and then his average rally position starts getting closer. He starts getting to the net doing more drop shots, making Zverev run. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of Medvedev problem-solving again. I don't yeah. think he played great. I, I mean, obviously, he lost the first two sets convincingly, but uh, he found a way again, yeah. which was... Uh, it's just impressive to see that he just is not seemingly fearless in the sense of like, all right, if I try this and I lose, whatever. Like, it's fine. And it was just another, another bit of that, a little bit of luck. There was... Um, there was the tie break. Actually, I think, was it the four set tie break where Medvedev was uh, serving at four all double faults? And it's just like, oh my God, like Zverev's about to serve for the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow Medvedev comes away with that tie break, uh, wins every single point after that. Uh, kind of a lucky sort of drop shot, which he said, like, yeah, you know, I got lucky, but whatever. And. Uh, he wins again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so. I had to watch the condensed match this morning. Um, you know, I was able to catch the tail end of it there, but um, that's those are the notes that I had too. It was just another example of Daniil's ability to outlast and improvise. Um, there were a couple really key points in the match um, that I wanted to bring up, and one of them was the fifty-one shot rally in the first oh, set. Yeah, if you haven't watched it um, and you're listening, you definitely need to go back and watch that. It was, I, I've obviously never had a 51 shot rally in my life. I think I would collapse on the court if it were to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, that was the turning point in that first set because Medvedev was was hanging with him. Um, Zverev uh, wins that 51 shot rally. That was at six five uh, deuce on his serve. So he was able to close out that first set because he came away with that that, that rally point. Um, and then the other key point that I had here was the tie break that you mentioned. Yeah, it was that that's kind of where the match changed. It seemed like it was four, four in the tie break. Daniil double faulted. Zverev has the opportunity to serve. There was that return forehand drop shot that Medvedev hits. He <laughs> says it was a mistake to me. I mean, it didn't look like he framed it or anything. Does anybody intentionally go for such a low percentage shot in that scenario? No. But if he just kind of reacted because Zverev has been serving so well this tournament, um, 
it was a great drop shot and Zverev kind of looked up upset. I thought it hit the net because of how much it died, but I don't think it did. I think it was just that in, you know, crazy of a drop shot, but that's kind of where it changed because yeah, at five, five, he's able to serve out that tie break, um, and take that one. Um, but then, you know, just another stat here that kind of talks to how Daniil just found a way, uh, Zverev, I went back, he led the match in most of the stats of that game. He led in first and second serve percentage. He led in serve speed. He led in winners. He led in breakpoint conversion percentage. And at the end of the match, he actually finished with more points won. <laughs> you would not read those stats and think that 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 Medvedev won that match if you were just to see those stats. You would just assume that the player with the that, that led in those categories would have won the match. But um, just goes to show you Medvedev really in those tie breaks pulled out the critical points and yeah, like you said, found a way to win. So, man, that's uh, that's tennis, isn't it? That's, that's right. <laughs> that's um, yeah. And then. Same, you know, same thing where it's like Zverev was two points away from from winning the match, mm-hmm. and then just drops it, and then fifth set. There, there was he did have an instance where he did complain about Danil. There was a moment where, um, I don't, you know, how they do the close call thing where it's like, yeah, Danil wanted to see the mark, and it was like delayed or something, and he was like, no, no, no I'm gonna wait until I see it. Zverev was like, come on, like, so there there was a little bit of that, nothing too crazy, because I was, I was looking for there to be maybe something, that was the only instance of that, and then... I think Sp- I think the- Zverev was asked about that in his press conference, and, and, oh, wow. uh, okay. and I think Zverev was like, no, I won the next game, so it didn't matter at all. Okay, that's uh, yeah. a little, a little maturity, maybe, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just, you know, Medvedev... You know, we'll we'll probably get into this, you know, looking forward into the final, but like mentally strong, this might be, even though this isn't his best level of tennis, this might be the best version of him because before you could kind of count on if something goes wrong, he's going to crack a racket. He's going to scream at his coach. He's going to yell at the umpire about something. He's going to scream about the courts or something, but like he's been pretty much just straight down to business throughout. There was... I think it was the against Rusevori, he did throw a racket at the bench, but then after that, every single match has just been kind of like a, a dogfight, yeah. figuring out a way to win, and he's been locked in. Yeah. Yeah, uh, excited for the final. I'm um, excited that he got through there. Um, kind of allows us to avoid having uh, more conversations about the awkwardness of Zverev being in the final. Um, the press conference, Zverev talked about what happened after the second set. Uh, he kind of blamed his dip in energy to getting uh, sick. He said that he started to not feel well after his last match. Um, sure, maybe. Um, there was also another interesting point in the press conference. He was asked by a reporter, was um, the trial uh, and the news of the trial a distraction uh, during the tournament and affect his performance in any way? And he, once again... Did not have a great response. His response was, direct quote, no. Anyone who has a semi-decent IQ level understands what's going on. And then said something along the lines of, and I hope that the reporters in the room, um, you know, have that. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> come on. Like, what are you talking about? How, like, <laughs> Man. 
Man. Yeah, not doing himself yeah. any favors there, not winning over any fans. Um, no. ESPN put the, the graphic up again. Good for them. Like the timeline. Yeah, they put it up there. Like they acknowledged it, kind of let it sit there, and then just kind of moved on to, you know, it was within the first three games of the match, but I was like, all right, you, you put it out there. Yeah. At least At least that. Good for them. Yeah, and there's yeah. one more note that I had from this. I wasn't sure if you picked up on it, but uh, Daniil wins the final set 6-3. He uh, looks over at his box. He's doing the shush, you know, the finger over his lips, the shush. And yeah. it looks like he starts – I saw this on Twitter. People are saying that it looks like he's saying karma, karma, because of the Breakpoint uh, episode where Zverev has wow. a quote talking about that he believes in karma and that he believes <laughs> that, you know, bad a bad person or, the you know, the antics that Medvedev has will eventually catch up to him. Um he denied it in the in the press conference. He says he's, you know, trying to distance himself from that conversation and not taking jabs at a, at his at other players that take jabs at him. Um, I don't. Did you see that? Did it look like he said karma to you? No, I, <laughs> okay. I gotta. Well, I'll put in the clip here when we when we edit this. But like, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll look for that because no, and I, and I wouldn't wouldn't put it past Daniel because like, what was it in the Paris Masters? He's walking off the court doing doing this and they asked him about it. he's like oh just checking my fingernail yeah like, <laughs> so so wouldn't put it past him and uh well you, you know actually i kind of thought the same thing during the match when when there was the lucky shot i was like is that karma i don't know <laughs> yeah that... oh yeah i don't man. hear any conversation um about uh antics winning the match this time um you know once again daniel proved to be the better player between the two of them and proved that, um, you know, his, his game, uh, wins him matches, not necessarily the antics like Zverev wants to believe. So, um, yeah, can't tell. We're very happy that Medvedev got through. Yeah. Yeah. I know Med isn't everyone's favorite player, but, uh, kind of saves, saves the day in the way where it's like, all right, Zverev's not going to be in the conversation anymore. We can kind of just, you know, focus on it's either going to be a first slam for Yannick or, you know, the second for Medvedev and uh, kind of move on, <laughs> at least for now. Yeah. Um, let's definitely go into detail into the final for the men's. We'll start with the women's and just go back to that real quick. So we have um, Sabalenka, Sabalenka versus Zhang. Um, when I pulled this on my Instagram going into the semifinals, I just wanted to see what were the matchups that people wanted. Um, you know, that's rooting interest in individual players, but sometimes it's also wanting to see particular uh, matchups. And um most people picked that they wanted to see Coco Goff play Zhang in the final. Second most popular pick, not by not by that much of a difference, was Sebalenka versus Zhang. Um, they have uh, Sebalenka leads the head-to-head one nothing. Um, Zhang spent a lot more time on court. You know, we talked about Sebalenka getting through in straight sets. Uh, Zhang spent four and a half hours more on court. Um, those are the only notes going into this match that I have. I'm interested to see how this one plays out. I think it's going to be competitive. Um, you know, this is really, we're going to kind of get to know Zhang here now that she's in the spotlight. It reminds me a little bit of when Iga really arrived 
where she was very, very quiet. People didn't know a lot about her. There wasn't a ton of, ton of um, interviews with her and she didn't have, I don't want to say she didn't have the platform to speak, but now she, you know, she was forced into the spotlight and, and she was somebody who wasn't super comfortable with it. Um, and then we got to know the personality of, of Iga. And I think we're going to have that opportunity with Zhang now that she's going to be up there and, and um, spoken so highly of, and going to be a lot more in the spotlight. Um, for me, the questions that I have going to this match, Zhang hasn't faced an opponent ranked uh, in the top 50 at all. So she actually hasn't even played a seeded player in this tournament. I think the highest player uh, in ranking that she's played is Bolter. Um, I'm just interested to see how Zhang holds up against a power player like Sabalenka. Um, Zhang absolutely deserves to be there. Uh, She might be able to really solidify herself as a uh, I'm here to stay. I know I didn't get to prove my game versus the the top of the the top of the game and the top of the women's bracket, but she has a chance to kind of silence that a little bit and show us, you know, how good she can be against a strong player like a Sabalenka. So those are the questions for me. She spent more time on court. We haven't seen her play a player like Sabalenka. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what she has. Yeah, she's uh, she, she's got a cool personality too. She speaks English fairly well, and uh, she's like really into karaoke. Uh, if you remember towards the end of the year last year, I think it was in Shanghai. She was singing or one of the, at the end of the matches, right? Yes, yeah. Post match interview. So mm-hmm. she she's cool. So this is great that like now she's going to get put into a whole another stratosphere amount of eyes and attention on her. Um, and yeah, I would love to see her be able to hang with Arena. I, I, like I said, I saw the first time I ever saw her play was against Iga at the San Diego Open. And you know, Iga hits a different ball than sabalenka but she held her own mm-hmm. like she she's got the game and can sustain and can kind of handle the power and obviously create a lot of her own um but you, like you said there's the questions of like all right you haven't you haven't played a seated player yet and now now you're getting probably the you know the top wta player in the world right now so um it's gonna be a lot to handle but i, I think she'll compete well um are we are we doing predictions? Let's let's save them to the end. We'll also, we'll do the men's one. Okay, and we'll save it to the end because we're dead even. Aren't I know. We? Yeah. Yes. I, I, if we yeah. end up in a tie, I'll have to go back and t- and take a look at what we picked for the set scores, and that would end up being the tiebreaker. But um, yeah, we're we're even Half right point. now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about the Sabalenka Zhang match before we move on to the men's one? Um. No, I think you covered it well. I mean, it's it's going to be. I think it's a matchup that's that's good for tennis. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of uh, you know fresh eyes on onto the game, and you know that saw the Netflix series and, and enjoyed it, and then you know they see Arena, you know, winning her first AO, and if they tuned into this year, it's like oh, he's that's that's her from the show. She's here again. She's doing it, and then uh, Zhang. I mean, China is a huge market, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's just good. You know, we're looking for different avenues to create revenue into tennis and i mean i know you know china has its own situations going on but i mean that's that's another market that would be good to have a lot of success in and like you said i think it was 10 years ago that Li Na won and i think she's there in australia i've, I've seen posts of her mm-hmm. uh kind of making making the rounds there so uh good story yeah it is definitely is um so that one's going to be on tonight for us at twelve thirty in the morning for our east coasters uh, unfortunately, 3.30 in the morning. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, and then we got the men's match, which we're obviously looking forward to. This was, and I know a lot of people uh, really wanted this match. Um, 
I pulled the four semifinalists and who people wanted to see, the, the four combinations that we'd see for the final. This was everybody's most popular choice by, by a lot. Um, wow. Yeah, people really wanted to see Sinner in the final. Um, and people were, really wanted to see Medvedev too. Um, not so much love for, for Zverev. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, most popular choice from, from what I saw um, Sinner uh, becomes the first Italian male player uh, to make it into a Grand Slam since Adriano Panada in 1976 at Roland Garros. Um, so that's, you know, kind of cool. I mean, there's been so many good Italian players, um, you know, female players that have, that have won grand slam since then, but at least for on the male side, um, Panada being the last one to even, uh, to, to win a grand slam, sorry, not make a grand slam. Berrettini made a grand slam. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of a cool story there. Uh, Daniil leads the head to head in this one, actually six to three, uh, but Yannick has won the last three of those. Um, so this version of Yannick is 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 new to their their uh, head-to-head matchup and um and Yannick has the edge if you're just looking at this version of Sinner. Um but Daniil spent six more hours on court. He's been in dog fights. He's been out there for, you know, five set matches coming from behind, coming from two sets down. Has definitely expended a lot more energy. He's proved that, you know, he's he's capable of doing it. Um and you know, he's he's dangerous no matter what. Uh but the big questions for me in this one is uh, will Daniel's uh, experience being in the Australian Open and being in Grand Slam finals and having won one, is that going to persevere in this match? Um, will his co- uh, the court time that he's spent on court catch up with him? Um, or is Sinner, is Sinner going to kind of keep on the role that he's been on and kind of keep up this dominance? I think if you were to look at the tournament um, and just ask the question, who's been the better player, uh, you have to say Sinner. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, yeah, I love that this is the matchup that everyone wanted to see. That's mm-hmm. that's cool because uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's a it's an interesting matchup. And going going to their head to head, you're right. The last three victories are for Yannick, and it's like kind of like this evolved version of Yannick. Um, I was going to say, well, the last three results were all indoors, end of the season, and indoors favors you know the aggressive player, but. Last night was outdoors, and they said it was windy, and obviously it didn't didn't really make any difference into how aggressive he was and how well he was playing. So uh, tough matchup, I do think. Uh, like you said, the the mental aspects will Sinner find some nerves first Grand Slam final. You know, it, it seemingly it's kind of it's not necessarily his on a platter because Danil is Danil, but um, I feel like kind of like what you said a few in the last round where. Carlos can just outright front run someone and just blast them off the court. But then when somebody, when that's not necessarily working, can he find an adjustment? And and Medvedev is going to force Yannick to adjust, probably. I mean, it, unless, you know, if, if Medvedev is there physically, he's going he's gonna to hang around. I feel like a lot of their sets, even looking back to the last three results, went to tie breaks. They're going to be close. Um, I don't know what adjustments that could be other than just Danil going into lockdown mode and just trying to run everything down. Um, I, I was listening to a thing last night where they were saying that like because he plays so far back and will sometimes just kind of loft the ball up, it, it messes with the rhythm yeah. of a rally that players are used to having. So maybe look for something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm excited for it. Also, uh, 
good memes out of this matchup, some funny pictures. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, they seem to be friendly with each other. I mean, I think everyone likes Yannick. Um, so this uh, this is a good AO final. This it is. is uh, I'm, I'm happy with this. Yeah, in the post-match interview he had with Jim Courier, he, he, he seemed really calm about it, um, really level-headed. Doesn't really seem like the moment is... Um, you know, washing over him, and he doesn't seem like he has nerves, even though I'm sure, I'm sure he does. And it was, you know, looking at that last match against Djokovic too. You were kind of waiting to see if the nerves were going to um, manifest in some way, especially as he kind of got closer. And it really didn't happen. There was maybe there was a double fault that he had, and where he was like, I, I, I wish I remember where it was. It might have been in that third set that went to a tie break. Um, he had a double fault at one point that was like way long and i was like all right that might be the nerves you know catching up to him right now but outside of like that maybe one or two instances last night i'm not seeing that from him he just he looks really locked in um so i mean a locked in center and medvedev who like you said he could play so far behind the baseline he could absorb a lot of pace and just force his opponents to try to hit one more shot let the mistakes um you know come to him basically could be interesting. It could be. It could be a really fun match. Um, I'm going to be happy for whoever wins it. Um, I'll be happy for Medvedev, you know, being able to put another feather in his cap, and I'll be happy for Sinner to, like you said in the last episode, um, say, "Hey, I've arrived." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I, I was waiting. Well, two things from last night. I was waiting for Novak to, you know, go into lockdown mode and make his push. And that coinciding with some type of lapse from Sinner, because you know we've seen it before, never happened. And even in the post-match interview, uh, Jim Courier asked, you know, like, so how, you know, what'd you do? Because basically, I think a long time ago, they had a practice session, and then Novak had a bunch of tips for Yannick, to mm-hmm. tell, you know, to his coach. He's like, hey, can you tell us what that was? And and I love that Yannick was like. No, no, yeah. <laughs> he was like, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play against him a lot more this season." So no, yeah. <laughs> and I love that you know he wasn't too high and was like, "Oh well, actually, this is X Y Z," you know, because job, job not finished. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is gonna be a good one. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, I kind of was on, and this maybe leads into the predictions. I, you, you kind of sold me the last time because I remember last time I was like, "Oh, you know, it'd be nice to see Sinner get his first slam." But if he plays like this, he'll he'll have time to get it. He'll mm-hmm. he'll have plenty of time to get it. And uh, Med, even though he's not playing great, this is you know I feel like his window is going to be a little bit shorter than uh, than Yannick. So I uh, I'm picking Medvedev. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's going to be another dogfight, but I'm picking Medvedev to get it. All right. So yeah, we are tied. We've been keeping track of our picks going back to the quarterfinal. So we made eight picks in the quarterfinal, four picks in the semifinals. We're tied at eight. Um, if it comes down to a tie break at the end, I'm going to total up the set scores that we predicted. So you've got Medvedev in how many sets? Five. Five. Five setter. We're going all the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, we need to have at least one pick that's different. And... Um, is it this one? It's going to be this one. Whoa. I'm picking Sinner. Um, I, I was really high on him at the beginning. I know he was a betting favorite to win. Uh, he has uh, emphatically uh, proven that he deserves to be here. Um, again, I, I hate to keep on bringing up the point of how much time Medvedev spent on court. Um, I th- I'm going to pick Sinner, though. I'm going to pick Sinner, and I think it's going to be in four. 
Um, no reason, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't like. know. I'm, I'm going to be happy for either one of them, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick center. Why not? Um, nice. Yeah. So that brings us to the yeah. women's match where we got Sabalenka versus Zhang. Um, where are you at with this one? Sabalenka and two. That one, I feel like it, it, there could be some good points. There might be a little drama, but I just... Sabalenka looks so good, so comfortable, just in her own skin, in her own game. Like I said, she's just giving herself the green light to be aggressive. And if she makes a bunch of unforced stairs, it's fine. Like, she doesn't really seem to be too high or low about it, which, you know has gotten to her before um yeah i don't see uh i don't see it getting uh to three i think it's straight sets yeah yeah i'm gonna agree with you i think sabalenka in two for this one um i, I it's one of those we talked about one of the other uh matches maybe it was in the quarterfinals or the semifinals where like you know, I, I, I can picture the storyline of, of Zhang surprising everybody. It's it's kind of one of those situations where you don't really know how good she can be until she has the opportunity to prove it, and this is that match. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sabalenka has been there, done that. She has the experience. She's defending the title. Um, she, feel, she, she looks really comfortable. Um, she looks like she's having fun and um, has just, yeah, she, she, she's been winning with much more decidedly in her matches. Um Zhang hasn't faced a challenge like this just yet. So I, I agree with you. Sabalenka in two for me. So it's really, for you and I, it's going to come down to down. Sunday. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's, oh man, I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just kind of love the idea because I know last year Medvedev kind of spoiled everyone's dream of like Carlos making the final and playing against Novak. And then, you know, nobody expects Medvedev to win, kind of spoils that opportunity. And then obviously he doesn't play great against Novak in the final, but uh, for him to do it again would be kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. I, I think Sinner will have his opportunity to uh, to win multiple slams, especially if he plays like this. He looks so, so good. Um, but yeah, I am um, going with my guy. Yeah, it'd be interesting if he comes away winning it because... I think we kind of reflect back on AO and we're going to have plenty of time to do this um, after the, the finals and we're going to kind of wrap up the whole tournament and, and our, our feels on it. But uh, if he ends up winning it, we're going to look back on it and say, you know, was he the the best player in the tournament? Um, maybe the answer is no. Uh, and, you know, it's a credit to him and his, his style of game. He's uh, really just kind of found a way to get through there. Um if Sinner were to win, I think we'd all say, yes, he was the best player. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be a really interesting narrative. And um, obviously with Sabalenka, uh, kind of the same same story there if she ends up winning it. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, good finals. Glad that it kind of shook out the way that it did. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see who owes who uh, lunch after uh, this, the match on Sunday. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I tagged... Uh... You know, if we do meet up in San Diego, I tagged Phil's barbecue in the post and they uh they were like, Okay, see you then and I was like, Oh nice, all right, cool. <laughs> They're in the mix. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> all right, well Tony, I don't have anything else. Um I am gonna be playing tennis in just about three minutes. So um Whoa, yeah, okay. no, it's, it's fine. I'm I, I can get down there whenever. Did um, you order your racket? <sighs> no. And, you know, I'll tell you why I didn't. So I, I it, first of all, it wasn't up at midnight. I was just like way too ahead of myself there. Aww. This isn't like a shoe <laughs> drop or anything. I'm like, who, how many people are staying up till midnight for a racket <laughs> drop? I uh, wasn't available at midnight. I think they, they put it up there at like seven in the morning, uh, West coast time. 
Um, no, it, why, the reason I didn't buy it is because I had read some reviews and maybe it was, it might've been tennis nerd that did, they reviewed, uh, five of the rackets and the one guy had glowing reviews for the hundred square inch Babolat pure strike with the 16 by 20 string pattern. And it kind of gave me pause because I was like, you know, maybe I should try with the different string patterns. I go with a 16 by 19 on a 98 square inch frame. That's kind of the most popular kind of standard one. Um, so I might end up demoing it. My coach is sponsored by Babolat and he just got the rackets yesterday. So yeah, I might get to play around with a couple of them before I commit. And also I don't need a new racket. I just want it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I uh, I tried a sixteen twenty. So I had a Wilson Clash Pro that was like kind of like my post. I'm always switching rackets, but I, that was my post surgery, and I was kind of like not sure. I was like, all right, this is kind of a different pattern, but I I really liked it actually. Mm. It's uh, I, I understand it's not going to be for everyone, but that's that's a good move. That's always like my big my biggest thing when somebody's like wants to buy a new racket. It's like, hey, try get put a string in that you're familiar with, yeah, and just try everything, yeah. Um, and yeah, shout out to tennis nerd there. He's great. Jonas is yeah, really Jonas, great. He's been at it, dude. He's been at it for like 10 years yeah. and, uh, just a legend. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Tony, it's been fun. All right. Have a good hit. All right. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right. See you guys. See ya. Oh, stop it. Just stop it. Memoir pair. Absolutely outrageous. And this is what these two do, just put smiles on people's faces.